0: Today, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tarry too long. But I, I want to talk to you today on this simple subject of follow the directions. Everyone, look at your neighbor. Say, follow the directions. Um, anybody hate following directions? All you men need to raise your hands. Uh, when I buy something, the the man. You know, instinct and in me kicks in, and I just pull it out of the box and I start to put it together without looking at the directions or the instructions on how to put it together. And nine times out of ten, I put something on backwards or get something out of place. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many of you, when you've done that, you just left it, and said, "Oh, it'll work just like that. It's fine," because you're too you have too much pride to say, "Hey, I got it wrong." Am I the only one? I'm. I'm I, I tell you what. And, and I'll unbox something, and because I have so much knowledge pulsating from my skull that I think that I know better than the engineer who invented or created this thing, how to put it together. And oftentimes, I mess up. And when I mess up, you know what I do? I go to my wife. And you know what my wife says? Hey, did you look at the directions? And she should know the answer by now after 17 years of being married. No, I didn't look at the directions. She says, well, well let's look here on page two here. Direction number five, you did this. You should have done that. Oh, well, that was just a little oversight on my part. It'll still work. But but following directions is not one of my strong suits. And uh, how about uh, when you're driving and you're too proud, I mean, too dumb, I mean, too occupied to stop and ask for directions when you're lost. Anybody been there? I'll figure it out. I see the sun. That's west. I could figure it out from there, right? And so you, you, you think uh, <laughs> you think you don't need to do that, but that happens to me from time to time. And, and then when I do have to stop and ask for directions, and I learned that where I messed up. And oftentimes in our lives, sometimes we mess up, and sometimes we have to go back to the directions, find out where we messed up. That's good right there. That ain't even in my notes, but that was good. That was a rhema word from the Lord right there. And we got to go to the directions and we got we to find where we messed up. And we often think we could figure it out on our own, but we always end up having to go back to God. And God gently just is sitting there with loving arms saying, I, you messed up on, on uh, direction number six. You should have done it this way, TJ. You know." And, and I believe that God has given us direction. It's by God's grace and by his, by his mercy that he does that. And when we know the directions, we can go back and we can reference them. When we have a map, we can go back and we can reference a map when we're lost, right? And the Lord has given us weapons to help us with this journey we call a relationship with Christ. And it's our job to read the instructions on how to use them or even to obtain them. Some of us are are walking this relationship with Jesus without some of the tools that Jesus has given us because we don't know that they're there. And so I, I, w- I want to just talk to you about that. First comes salvation, then Jesus ascends to heaven. But before he ascends, he gives directions to his disciples. And understand, if you were a disciple at the time that Jesus ascended into heaven, your world was kind of messed up because you were you were so apt on following Jesus. And then when he died on the cross, your, your world was really messed up because you thought everything that I've just done in the last three and a half years was all in vain. And then Jesus raises from the dead, and then there he is. And he is he is visiting his disciples and for 40 days there he's appearing and, and reappearing and he's, he's eating with them and all kinds of things and he's still teaching them. And and so there he rose, he, he rose from the dead. In 40 days he went up and he went around teaching the kingdom of God and told them he was sending a comforter. He told them that. He's sending a comforter. Everyone say comforter. Who would give them the power and the power to be his witnesses. And... Uh, not just to be not just to be a witness of what is happening but to be his witnesses not to be a witness of what's happening but to be his witnesses what does that mean meaning they were going to spread the gospel today i want to talk to you <clears throat> on the subject of follow the directions follow the directions. Let's pray today. Lord, Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord, for your anointing today. Thank you for your spirit, Lord, that is leading and guiding. God, thank you for your gentle presence today. God, I ask today, Lord, that your anointing, God, would be upon this this word. I pray, Lord, that it would break the yoke of bondage, Lord. God, I pray for those who are dealing with heavy hearts and heavy situations right now. I ask, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would break every chain and fetter, God, that, that, that is holding people bondage today. God, I ask for a, that you would use me as you see fit today. God, I am nothing more than a vessel for you, God. And let me make your name famous today. Lord, we'll give you the praise. We'll give you the glory. And everyone said? Amen. Everyone say, follow the directions. If you have your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And I've been talking about the Holy Spirit uh, the last three weeks other than Mother's Day. And um, and the Holy Spirit, many many have said, well, you know, do I need the Holy Spirit to get to heaven? Do I need to be baptized? Well, you need the Holy Spirit to get to heaven because once you're saved, you're, you, the, the Holy Spirit is in you. So, yes. But to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is different. Now, we're going to talk about that here, the day of Pentecost. They're two different things. Um, the, no one comes, the Holy Spirit woos you. That's how you come to know Christ. The Holy Spirit deals with you. That's how you come to know Christ. And so we need to understand that. But um, to be baptized, can you get to heaven without being baptized in the, in the Holy Spirit? Yes. But would you rather go to Indianapolis on a bicycle or would you rather go on a Ferrari? And that's the difference of the infilling of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you, you you can go a lot easier in a Ferrari than you can a bicycle, right? And so and so, this is a tool that that the, that Jesus has left us that we can use. That oftentimes we don't utilize because we don't understand the directions. We've misinterpreted it. We've messed with it. Some of you have gotten bad experiences with with Pentecost. And some of you say, hey, I, I know about Pentecost. When I hear that word Pentecost, I automatically run. And I don't know who messed up your, your view of Pentecost, but it, it probably wasn't a pure view. Because I can tell you this, the Holy Spirit, you know, there's the gifts of the Spirit, and, and I'm going on a rant right now, Sorry. There's the gifts of the Spirit, which, which you know, Paul says in, in Corinthians that we should try to do that. But verse 13, I think I talked about this last week, verses 12, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 talk about the gifts of the Spirit. First Corinthians chapter 13 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, the gifts don't operate without the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, right? And if we don't operate in those, I'm telling you, we've misinterpreted. So we need to understand something. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He, he does not force his will upon you. you. need to understand that. And So he's not going to come unless you say, hey, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Okay? Just so you understand that. All right. Acts chapter 1. I don't want to jump too far ahead of myself here. Acts chapter 1 verses 3 through 10 says this. He presented himself alive to them after, after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem. Everyone say, not to depart. But to wait. Everyone say, but to wait. For the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, from John. Uh, uh, for John baptized with water. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? They were worried about temporal things. How many know in our lives we're always worried about temporal things, the physical things that are around us? God, are you going to do this? God, are you going to go? Basically what they're saying is this. Jesus, are you going to go to Washington, D.C. and bust some heads? That's what they're doing. They are, they are wanting the kingdom of Israel to come back up. Now, they're under Roman rule at this point, okay? And look at this. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. He's basically saying, hey, you guys don't have the authority. You guys don't need to know. You just need to trust. All right. Some of us need to hear that word today. All right. But you will receive, look at this, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You will receive what? You will receive what? All right. Power. uh, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my, not a witness, you will be whose witnesses? My witnesses, Jesus is saying there. Uh, in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he, he, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. So there Jesus goes up while well, he's talking to him. I don't know about you. If I'd have been a disciple, I'd be like, man, Jesus just always does something amazing. Verse 10 And while they were gazing into the heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the heavens? They're watching Jesus go up like a hot air balloon. And while they're doing that and they've got their eyes gazed on Jesus, which is important, Jesus gave them specific directions. There's some angels that show up. They're like, Hey, what are you, what are you guys looking at? Why are you guys just sitting here? Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. All right. So I want just, to just talk to you today on something very, 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 very simple. Everyone say very simple. And that is follow the directions. Follow the directions. Number one right here. First point right here. Is number one, stay. Jesus told him to stay. Everyone say stay. I have a dog at home. He is not trained very well. And sometimes I want him to stay somewhere and I, I have to go stay, Oscar. Sit. And he'll sit. And I'll say stay right there. And I'll walk away. And he thinks just because I've turned my head that I still, that I want him to come. And so he'll go and try to get up, and he'll try to follow me, and I'll go, I'll look at him, and he'll know, and he'll, and I'll say, stay. And I don't know about you, but I think a lot of us are kind of like my dog at times. I'm not calling you a dog. I'm just saying sometimes you're like my dog. The The Holy Spirit is telling us to do something, and sometimes we have our own agenda, and we think, oh, God, God's turned around, and so we can do what we want and so, but look at this. So he tells them, "Stay. Do not depart from Jerusalem." Look at this. Jesus, after being with these followers for forty days, he tells them to stay in Jerusalem. I want to. If you're a note taker, you could write this down. Why Jerusalem? Why is that so important? How many know that Jerusalem is a blessed place? It's been prophesied over many, many, many times in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. And let me tell you something. Jerusalem, we ought to pray for the peace of Israel. Why? Because Scripture tells us to. Not, you don't need any other reason other than that. Follow the directions. <laughs> All right? Uh, and if you're a note taker, Jerusalem's meaning in the ancient Hebrew is two parts. And, and you know, the part that two, first part is jeru, which is was how we would say it. In, in Hebrew, they would say yaru. Everyone would say yaru. And that literally means to flow or point. Okay, now the second part of Jerusalem is we would say Salem or Salam, or you know, that how we how we would say it in English, but but in, in Hebrew, and I'm gonna butcher this is Shalyam. Everyone say Shalom. And it's where we get the word shalom. Everyone knows that shalom means peace in, in, in Hebrew, right? You see that in scripture often and they say shalom, they mean peace. But listen, but it also means the wholeness, okay? So I want to take those two parts. If you're a note taker, the first one is, is Yaru, means to flow or point. The second second part of uh, Jerusalem literally means uh, peace, but it also means the wholeness. And when you put those two together, Jerusalem means this, pointing the way to wholeness. Pointing the way to wholeness. So I, I just want to point this out. It's as if Jesus is telling them to stay in Jerusalem indeed, but he's not saying just physically. But how many know that you know, the Lord speaking to us, God doesn't expect us to go stay in Jerusalem. Now, if God tells you to do that, you need to go do that. But listen, here in the scripture, he's not telling us, all oh, we need to all get on a plane and go to Jerusalem right now. But listen, but what we need to do is to stay in the divine will of God. If you want the wholeness, if you want the point, point, the point there pointing the way to wholeness, we need to stay where God has placed us for the time and season. Whatever that looks like. And so to remain whole, not the city of Jerusalem, you need to understand that. Jesus is not telling us we all have to go to Jerusalem. He told them that, but specifically, but I think there's a spiritual application here that we need to understand. And it's important for you to stay because I'm sending a comforter. Some of us need to stay in certain places. I I, want to point out this word. So, what does that mean for you and me today as a believer? How does that translate into 2021, TJ? I, I hear what you're saying there. That's a great point. It's a good note. What's what's what what what? So here's the first thing I want to talk to you about staying in. Stay in the Word. Stay in the Word. Why? Some of us are being held bondage because we don't know this. I pulled up my Bible a lot today, but Psalms 119 says this. Verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What have you done with the word of God? I have, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against God. Now, we're blessed in America. How many of you own a Bible? How many of you have a Bible on your phone? How many of you have access to the Bible 24-7, 365.25 days a year? I'm counting leap year there, okay. If there ever came a time in America where they stripped you of the word of God, how much would you know in your heart? I'm just making a point here. People in China... Don't get this option. If they get caught with this, they'll be thrown into jail. If they get caught worshiping, they'll be thrown into jail. And many of them will will take a section of scripture and write it down and they'll memorize it until they know it, until they have it in their heart. Many of us know the Word of God, but is it written on your heart? There's a difference. Stay in the Word. Uh, we can't just be hearers of the word, but we also have to be doers of the word, but we have to hide it in our hearts. And let me tell you what, when we hide the word of God in our hearts, you know what it does? It keeps me from sinning because I know what the word of God says, and it puts my feet on the right path. It is a light to my path is what scripture says just a few verses down. And and some of us are walking around in bondage because of a lack of the word of God. Here's the second thing. Stay in the word. Everyone say stay in the word. Here's the second thing, stay in prayer. Prayer is to commune with God, meaning we have a two-way conversation. You've heard me say this, we have a two-way conversation. Many of us have one-way conversations with God. God, here's my list, blah, 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 blah. amen. God's like, thank you for talking to me. And, and, and can I tell you this, that God will speak to you and he'll speak to me through his Holy Spirit. In prayer. Matthew 26, 41 says this Watch and watch and that you may not enter into. Wait, 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 wait. Watch and pray that you may not enter into. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Let me tell you something (laughs) about prayer. Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You know how I know that? I dare you kneel down and pray and say, Hey, I'm going to pray for one hour. And watch your mind get preoccupied while you're praying. Thinking about what you need to do. And while you're trying to pray, you start thinking about, I got this to do tomorrow, and I got this, and what I'm going to have for dinner, and like all these things. And and the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And oftentimes in our lives, <clears throat> we're not very good at praying. Now, I'm not chastising you, and if I'm stepping on your toes, you can blame that one on Jesus. Because those are Jesus' words. You know why we pray? I, I like this scripture because watch and pray that ye may not enter into temptation. You want to stay out of sin, know the word of God, and have a strong prayer life. That's not popular preaching right there, but I, I, but it's where the rubber meets the road. Proverbs 15.8 says, the Lord delights in the prayers of the upright. If you're in right standing with God, you begin to pray, God delights in your prayers. I love to hear your prayers, he's saying. So pray, like prayer, like the word, will keep us out of temptations of sin. It will keep us out of discouragement. It will keep us out of weakness. Some of us are discouraged because we have a lack of prayer and a lack of scripture In our life, if the only scripture you get is on Sunday morning and Wednesday night, you're missing it. You're missing it because there's more, more to it. Now, I do my best, and many of you, I do my best in my little allotted amount of time, and sometimes I go over my allotted amount of time to make sure you get a little bit of extra scripture in there. But listen, you've got to stay in the word and you have to stay in prayer. Now, look at this. Here's the next thing stay in fellowship. Stay in fellowship. Look at your neighbor. Say, I need you. Look at your neighbor on the other side. Say, I need you. You know what we need? Fellowship, we need accountability. We need each other. Uh, Everybody in here, we need each other. uh, Because this is what I know. Scripture tells us that iron sharpens iron. And, And listen, oftentimes we need each other and as we live our lives, we begin to sharpen each other, we help each other, accountability. Accountability is this, it's just being responsible for your actions, having someone that you can, that will keep you accountable. Some of us need that in our lives. Some of us are scared of that. Why? Because it requires something of us. It means that we might actually have to make a change. (gasps) Because someone's keeping us accountable. Look at this, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and I'm going to get to this a little bit later. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the, the what? The fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now, so so we need to understand something. When the early church met, they met in homes, and they always ate food. How many love food? I have this saying, if it's worth meeting over, it's worth eating over, right? That's probably why I'm overweight and why I need to shed some pounds, right? And so... But, but they would break bread, they would, they would take communion, they would do that, they would also meet, and they, and they would pray together. So there's something about fellowship, and I'm not getting on to all of you guys, because you're all here today. Praise the Lord. You've, you've got this. And so, so three things here, stay in the word, stay in prayer. And stay in fellowship. How many? How many can agree with that today? Amen. Those those are simple things that, that Jesus said when He said, "Stay in Jerusalem if you want the wholeness of God. If you want the uh, it to point to the wholeness of God in your life, you have to stay in the Word. You have to stay in prayer, and you have to stay in fellowship." Amen. Everyone say Amen. All right. Here's the second thing that Jesus said. He said, "Wait, wait." Acts chapter two, verse four. Second part of that verse says, "But to wait for the promise of the Father." Now, I talked about, uh, you know, one of the things that's tough for me to do is to wait. Anybody hate waiting? How many hate traffic? How many hate delayed flights? How many hate waiting 30 seconds for your burrito to cook in the microwave? <laughs> I'm not good at waiting, but Jesus tells his disciples and the group, uh, the group of them to wait. Staying is different than waiting. They're two different things. Staying and waiting are two different things. Staying home, that means I'm occupying my house. But waiting is not knowing the outcome, but sticking around. There's a difference. Um, staying is occupying and and waiting is just waiting for the outcome. <laughs> so waiting requires trust and staying is just being there. Right? All right. Uh, when you wait on traffic, sometimes you're just staying in traffic, but when you're waiting on traffic, you're trusting that whatever's in front of you, construction or wreck or whatever is going to get out of the way so you can be, get on down the road, Right? Y'all don't know about traffic over here in Indiana like, like we did in California. I can promise you that. <laughs> but waiting, listen, I have plenty of patience living in California, just driving down the road. If you ever drove on the 405 at any time, chances are you're going to get stuck in traffic and you're going to have to wait. Uh, but waiting is hard, and it requires patience, which, which is tough. It's tough to give patience when you're having to wait for something. It's like waiting on your birthday when you were young and you really want to get to your birthday because you really want to get a gift, right? And You'd think, oh, my parents are going to get me this gift, this gift. And you get a little bit older and you're like, I can wait before my birthday because I don't want to get older anymore, right? Like flips, like something flips. We get a little bit older. But waiting on God's timing is, is in truth the essence of trusting God. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord God with all your heart and lean not to what? Your own understandings and all your ways acknowledge him and he will what? Direct your, but Man, some of you got this word hidden in your heart. All right. So how many are waiting on an answer from God? How many are waiting for a, a healing? It's all right. You can raise your hand. How many are waiting on a job? How many are waiting on, on a direction? Or how many are waiting on a breakthrough? Or how many are waiting on a miracle? Can I tell you something? Waiting is tough. And oftentimes in the middle of waiting, I... I get discouraged and I get down because it isn't happening at the speed that I think it should happen. Now, you guys are quiet today, but I think that's good because you're attentively listening and I believe that... That the word is going forth in your heart. So waiting is tough. Notice Jesus didn't give them a timeline. I think I mentioned this last week, maybe, maybe in Bible. I don't remember if I'd mentioned this. But he didn't say, hey, go wait one week, go wait two months. No, he never gave them a timeline. You know why? Because my tendency, if I know the timeline is, I'm going to go do what I want and then I'm going to come back when the time is ready. It's like going to, to Disney World and getting a fast pass. I know if I come back here at 3.30, I'm going to be able to get past this line and get up there and get to ride this ride. There's no fast pass when it comes to waiting on the Lord. Oh, man, nobody, nobody amen that one. But he never gave them a timeline because we know that my tendency <clears throat> and your tendency is when we know the timeline, we're going to stay and then we'll leave and then we'll come back because we know it's what's convenient for us. It's a, and let me tell you what that is. That's part time trust. It's not fully trusting in God. It's saying, hey, I'm going to go do what I want, but I know that if I come back at this time that it, this is going to happen. But look, look at this. The, uh, Jesus is interested in your full trust in him. Now, remember when Jesus ascended into heaven? Scripture tells us that there were 500 there when he ascended into heaven. 500 people watched him ascend into heaven. That's, that's a lot of people. That's more people that's in this than in this room right here right now, and so 500 people were watching. And and look, look, ten days. I'm going to show you what waiting does. Ten days later, ten days later, guess what? 500 down to 120. What does that say about the nature of people and waiting on God and their trust in God? It amazes me that 380 people missed out. On one of the greatest moments, maybe they didn't miss out, but maybe they they caught it at the end. But listen, but they they missed out because they couldn't wait. One-fifth in ten days, one-fifth of people stayed. Only one-fifth of the people that Jesus, that watched him ascend into heaven and heard him say, hey, I'm sending a comforter, go wait in Jerusalem. He told them those things. All of them heard it. And only 120 stayed. So waiting is tough. And oftentimes waiting makes us weary and it makes us tired. I don't know about you. In 2019, I, I flew uh, to Missouri, and then I flew to Brazil. And then when I got back from Brazil about three weeks later, I flew to Texas. Uh, I was living in California. And then out, out of that, and then in July, I flew to Kentucky. And out of all those flights, out of all those flights, I think only one of them didn't have a delay. And when I say had a delay, 24-hour delay, I'm not talking two hours, I'm not talking 15 minutes, I'm not talking 30 minutes, I'm talking a full 24-hour delay. When I flew back from Missouri, I was trying to get home to Bakersfield, and I flew into Dallas, and I thought everything's hunky-dory, everything's going to be good. And I had a timeline to get home because I was supposed to be home in a two-day window to turn around and go to Brazil. So here I am in Dallas, and then all of a sudden they ground all the flights, and there I am, and for 24 hours I am stuck in Dallas. Anybody, I know that airport better than anybody. I know it better than the people that work there. I can tell you what is in, 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 in uh, Concourse C. You want to know all the restaurants, hit me up after church. I'll tell you where all the good ones are. And I waited 24 hours, and then I, I caught a flight, not to Bakersfield, but to L.A., and I had to rent a car, and I got home. And then I got home in time to basically get home, kiss my wife, wash my clothes, hug my kids, put my clothes back in my bag, drive down, had some people take me down. I believe Nick was there. Took me down to Brazil, and, or not to Brazil. Man, that was a long drive. Took me down to LAX, down the 405 down the 405, and, and in the process of getting down there, I get down there, I'm ready to go to go to Brazil, I'm excited about this, I'm getting ready to go overseas, it's going to be a great opportunity, and guess what, I get on the airplane, things are going great, and they're like, oh, there's a screw loose in the captain's chair, and so we're going to have to hold down for just a few moments. And for an hour, I'm sitting there, we're all sitting there, and we're like, how long does it take to screw? They said, give me a screwdriver, I'll go take care of it for you guys. And then so we take off late from L.A. We're, we're on our way. So I'm supposed to meet some people to go to to go to Brazil. And I'm supposed to meet them at Miami Airport. So I fly into Miami. And guess what? When I'm landing, they are getting on the plane to take off. And I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to do here. And so I, I, I'm t- frantically texting the person that, I, that I'm supposed to be. I'm like, hey, what do I do? And he said, just rebook your flight. We'll see you in the morning. I'm like, who's going to pick me up? He goes, I don't know. That's faith. <laughs> so you know what I did? I rebooked my flight. Guess what? 24 hours later, there I am. I, and I get on the plane and go to Brazil. And it was just a terrible, terrible year of traveling. But waiting is tough sometimes, and it's hard. Now, there was a purpose to that. I, and I'll, I'll tell you the full story of that someday. But um, waiting is tough And waiting oftentimes calls us to be driven by our opinions and our emotions instead of the word of God. It makes us follow our feelings instead of faith. Anybody ever been there? In that moment when I was in uh, Miami... I had some crazy things happen there while I was even there. And I remember going to my room and I remember calling my wife and said, maybe I should just come home because this is not good. I just, I don't know. I don't know. And my wife's like, well, have you prayed about it? Well, of course, you got to be all spiritual right now, right? So then I called a mentor in my life. I'm like, listen, this is going on. This is going on. What do you think I should do? And he said, hey, have you prayed about it? I'm like, oh, okay. Thank you, Lord. Y'all are so spiritual. you aren't walking through this shadow of death that I'm walking through right now. And I began to pray about it, and I said, hey, God, I'm, I'm just going to trust you. And, and it was tough. And I could have easily based, made, a, made a decision not to go based on my feelings. But there was an, God had ordained my steps, whether I realized it or didn't realize it. I won't get further into that story, but that story goes on and on and on and on. So, But here's what I know. When we're waiting, I have a tendency to whine. <laughs> I don't get my way, God. It's not happening fast enough. Anybody know what I'm talking about? How many get upset when your kids whine? Oh, the Lord has so much patience with us. He does. See, people are willing, uh, the the people that are willing to wait are the ones who receive a suddenly in their life. And it's amazing to me because Joseph, it took 13 years to go from the pit to the palace. That's a lot of patience. Some of us won't wait 30 seconds for a burrito. But Joseph never reached his destination. It took 13 years, and he had a lot of things and a lot of obstacles that could have easily offset him. It could have made him, in his mind, if he'd have based some things off feelings, this isn't fair. Why am I in prison? I didn't do anything wrong. He could have whined and cried, but there was a suddenly when he was in prison, and Pharaoh had a dream, and and, and someone remembered today that guy interprets dreams. Look at this. What about the woman with the issue of blood? Remember, she waited 13 years before she. Crawled through a crowd of people to get to Jesus' robe. She didn't even really, she just touched his robe out of faith. She reached out in faith. She had it suddenly, what about Elisha? When he waited on, on Elijah, you know, he followed uh, Elijah around and he was waiting on his moment. And then, you know, it would have been cool to be, to be Elisha because you're walking with Elijah and all of a sudden Elijah's there. And then the chariot comes down and he gets in it and he flies off. And, cool, <laughs> Right? But then his moment come, he could have whined and cried and said, hey, why does Elijah get to do this? But listen, he didn't, when he didn't whine and cry, he moved on and he did double the amount of miracles that Elijah did. Suddenly, what about a suddenly on Resurrection Sunday? There, Matthew 28 tells us that there was an earthquake. What about in prison, Paul and Silas? They begin to sing praises unto God could have let their circumstances of waiting and being in prison. Anybody been in prison for Jesus lately? You know what they did when they were in prison? They began to sing. And when they began to sing, an earthquake happened. There was a suddenly, and then all of a sudden, in Acts chapter 16, they were free. How many believe that God moves in the suddenly? All right. Some of you believe he does. Many of you don't. I believe God (laughs) moves in the suddenlies. But here's the key to that. You have to wait. And you can't get weary and well done when you're waiting. You just got to just say, hey, I got to go by not what I feel, by not what I see, but what I know that the directions say. See, 120 had that down in their hearts. Now look at this. Isaiah 40, 31 says this. But they who wait... For the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Can I tell you something? Waiting on God, it shouldn't discourage you. It should renew your strength. It should renew your strength. Just like God, God gives us new mercies each and every morning. We, we know that and, and, and uh, from Lamentations. And we wait on God and when we are weary, he gives us strength to continue on. How many say, hey, Lord, I need some strength today? Those that wait upon the Lord. The scripture tells us there, you know, just kind of a loose translation, that shall will mount up with wings like eagles. I say this, they will glide like eagles. You know one thing cool about eagles? They don't do this a lot. The little birds, we have bird feeders and the little birds, they come in. Eagles do this. Not much effort. They get up there high, and they just glide. Let me tell you what. So they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. God says this. You're going to be like an eagle. You're not going to be making a whole bunch of effort. You're going to just be gliding. He's Saying, hey, catch the wind. Catch the wind of my spirit. And, And they're above their circumstances. And God is calling you to ride the wind of the spirit above your circumstances. Amen. How many say, hey, I want that in my life. And we can do this when we wait. So God is going to give you supernatural strength to keep going when you wait. You know how I know that? Because the scripture tells me he will. That's, what, that's how I know that. So you're not going to get tired. You'll find supernatural strength from God. So look at this. Yes, 380 people missed the blessing that was about to come because they simply couldn't wait on God. Now, they didn't know it, but it was only 10 days that they had to go wait. Wait. Those that wait on God are the people of the suddenly. So uh, uh, good news is if you've been waiting, your suddenly's coming. Now look at this. Here's the, here's the last point. I'm going to ask the worship team to come down here. Come on down. I told you I wasn't going to be too long today. Who's ready to receive from the Lord this morning? Amen. Who's ready to receive from, from the Lord this morning? Look at this. The last point is this. Receive. Everyone say receive. Stay, wait, wait. Receive. Everybody say that. Stay, wait, receive. Stay, wait, receive. Look at this. 120 stayed. 120 waited. And suddenly 120 made it a point to trust in in Jesus' words and to simply follow his directions. I don't know about you. I don't want to be one of the 380. I want to be one of the 120. 120. I want to I want to have the tenacity and the faith to say, "Hey God, I will trust you." Even in when I don't see you working, I know you're working. Even when I don't feel that you're working, I know you're working. You never stop. That's how the song goes, right? And and they were not inter- uninterested or unconcerned or lukewarm. Look at the the 120, they were not lukewarm. Some of us Get struggle in waiting because we're lukewarm. We're half in, we're half out. You either fully trust God or you don't fully trust God. And the, they were earnest and they were united in faith and they were united in prayer. Catch that out. Prayer. Their hearts were united. Now look at this. If you're a note taker, you should write this down. You should write this down in the column of your Bible. L- listen to this. Obedience always Postures you for a blessing. Obedience always postures you for a blessing. What does that mean? When you do what the Lord tells you to do, it puts you in a position for God to bless you. All right. That didn't get very much amen, but I'm telling you. Obedience always postures you for a blessing. Obedience to God sets the stage to get something from God. Obe- obedience to God sets the stage for something great from God. Look at this, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, look at this. Verse 1 says this. This has all been a culmination of, of three weeks. I've been talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And There's a reason for this and there's a purpose for this. And I'm going to get to that purpose. It all leads up to this, Acts chapter 2. How many, how many have followed our, our, our daily devotions through the book of Acts? All right. How many learned some something? All right, good. So look at this. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 6. It says this, on the day of Pentecost. Now, that was a Jewish festival, okay? It It was a Jewish festival, so there were people there. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Talking about the 120. Everyone say the 120. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. by the believers. So the sound of heaven there talks about suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like a, like a, roar, like a roar, roaring of a mighty windstorm. The sound of heaven there is better translated is as an echo. It was an echo from heaven. What they heard that day was, was not earthly, but it was from heaven. It started in heaven. The Bible says if you bind it on earth, he'll bind it in heaven. Let me, if it starts in heaven, and Jesus said this, Lord, let your will be done. Let, you know, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And there was a sound in heaven, and it echoed that day. How many know that we need an echo of the sound of heaven in our lives and in our church and in our community? All right. Then came a mighty rushing wind, like a, like a clap of thunder. We know about that around here. We haven't had any bad storms this spring, but we know about a clap of thunder, right? How many have ever been sitting there and you hear just a clap of thunder and you're like, whoa? And it, and it caught the people in the city's attention. Can I tell you something? When the Holy Spirit, when the wind of God begins to move, it's going to catch people's attention. I want to point this out. I'm going to to go up to the, I didn't even quote this, but I meant to quote this. Jonathan Stockstill said this. Listen to me. Jonathan Stockstill is a pastor in Louisiana, okay? Pastors of a church of about 8,000 people, but this is what he said. This is what he said about the Spirit of God. The new era of a church will not be measured by its attendance, but by its movement. And then he asked this question, is the Spirit moving in your midst? Let me ask you a question, Cornerstone. Is the Spirit of God moving in our midst? Because we decide that. Look at this. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's breath and wind, the echo of heaven, the wind, the mighty wind, the clap of thunder, the Holy Spirit's breath and wind cannot be mimicked. It cannot be fabricated. A program can't bring it. But you know what will bring it? Hearts that are staying in the Word. Hearts that are staying in prayer. Hearts that are staying in fellowship. Hearts that are waiting on God to do something. Hearts that are open to receive. It's straight from heaven. And the Word... (laughs) The word for Holy Spirit here in the Greek, and all throughout this chapter right here, when you hear the word Holy Spirit, it is, is the Greek word pneuma. Everyone say pneuma, and it's where we get our word, part of our word pneumonia. Pneuma meaning breath. Numa, The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. I'm going to show you something scripturally here in just a moment about that. And used in Acts Uh, The word pneuma is used in Acts alone 68 times. The breath of God. How many know that we need the breath of God in our lives? We need the Holy Spirit to blow on us. (sighs) Look at this. The Holy Spirit breathed on them, and they received power, and they received boldness like Jesus said they were. The word power here... Listen, there's a lot of word studies here, but there's some power to this. The word power here comes from the Greek word dunamis, which is where we get our word dynamo, or the word where we get our word dynamite, meaning power. Power to break bondages. Power to pray for the sick and they be healed. Dunamis, power. And it means miraculous power. Let me, let me ask you something. When's the last time that you laid hands on someone and the Holy Spirit moved through you and they were healed? You got a ways to go if you haven't. Hey, say, who are you talking to, TJ? The prophet Isaiah, he talked about this day. Jesus prophesied about this day. And the prophet Joel. And how many know that the Holy Ghost power is Miraculous. It is miraculous. They received the Holy Spirit when they stayed and they waited. Remember, they received that power to be the Lord's witnesses, to be his witnesses. Now look at this. We're going to jump down here. Obedience, everyone say this. Obedience postures us for a blessing. Say it again. Obedience postures us for a blessing. The suddenly follows the wait. Look at this. Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Jumping down to verse 14, says this. The Holy Spirit came. They began to speak in tongues. Everyone, there was a loud clap of thunder. And the wind began to blow, an echo of heaven. People began to run to see what was going on. And this is what happens. Look at this. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other, other apostles and shouted to, the ele- uh, shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is way too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, look at this, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon my people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants. Men and women alike, and they will prophesy. Verse nineteen, and I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn to blood. Red before that great and glorious day of the Lord's arrival, uh, Lord, the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Stand with me all across this building. How many believe that Jesus is coming back? Jesus is coming back. And one of the things that that has to happen before Jesus comes back is is a great revival. There has to be a great revival. The pneuma, the breath of God is going to begin to flow. How many are hungry for the breath of God in your life? You say, hey, Holy Spirit, we'll we just we'll allow you to just come in and just breathe on us. Can I tell you this? God has not called you to just Be in contact with the Holy Spirit. But God has connected you to the Holy Spirit. Listen, you are the conduit to a lost and dying world. You are the conduit to a lost and dying world. The Holy Spirit will flow through you to the lost and dying world. Vance Havner said this. and He was right on the money when he made this comment. We will, move, we, we will move this world not by criticism of it. How many know we got enough critics in this world? Nor conformity to it. How many know that people are conforming to this world left and right? How many know that this world doesn't have the answer? But look at this. This is what he said, the great great preacher. But combustion within it of lives. Ignited by the Spirit of God. Listen, I want want to share this with you. There's a practical point here in Ezekiel chapter 37. You know this. The Spirit brought Ezekiel to the the valley of dry bones. I, I, I want to point something out to you here. There's something applicable for you and for me in this that I'm talking about. When he took him to the dry bones, the Spirit of God said, hey, prophet, prophesy over those dry bones that they'll live. And you know what Ezekiel did? He began to prophesy over those bones. And we know what happens there. The bones begin to connect, and they begin to come together. And what was just a pile of bones became a a structure, a, a, a skeleton structure. Now look at this. And the scripture tells us that skin began to come on them, but they were just basically just these dead things. But look at this. Scripture tells us in Ezekiel 37 that after he prophesied over those things, God Breathed on them and they came to life. I'm here to tell you some of you are looking at dry, dead bones, and, you're, and I'm going to tell you today you need to prophesy over those dead things, things in your life that, that should be alive. Some of you need to get a little gall in your heart and say, Hey, I know I have this call on my life, and I say, Come to life. And I say, move forward in this. And let me tell you something when you begin to prophesy, the Spirit of God will <sighs> into your situation. And just like Peter, who was transformed, you remember Peter, the guy that denied Christ, that cursed Christ, and did all, everything else, and basically turned his back on Christ up until that moment? Peter was the guy that that God would use to start the early church. Let me tell you the example of what we're supposed to be. Acts chapter 2. Read the book of Acts. That is who the church is supposed to be. That is who we want to be. In this time, we have to not follow programs. We don't have to follow all these things. And those things are great, and they have their time and their place. But listen, I want to get in the pneuma. The breath of God. Amen. Come on and give Jesus a hand clap of praise. And let me tell you, what the baptism of the Holy Spirit will do for you is give you power. You know why? To be the Lord's witness, to give you boldness, to speak to your Jerusalem, to speak to your Samaria. Judea and even all the other parts of the world. Maybe some of you are going to be missionaries. Maybe God's going to send you on overseas to preach to lying, or to dying and lost people across, the, maybe lying to, dying and lost people across the world. Bow your heads with me all across this building. God, today, Lord, would you send your pneuma, would you send your breath, the breath of the Holy Spirit right now. God, as we open our hearts. God, we open our minds. God, God, we put our human reasoning to the side and we say, God, we trust you. We trust you alone. God, the way that you move isn't like what we always think it should be. But Lord, if you could turn the world upside down with 120 people in an upper room praying and agreeing together, God, surely Surely, Lord, you could turn this city, God, of this county, God, of this tri-county area, God, of people towards you through us. Would you just lift your hands all across this building? Come on, begin to open your mouth. Say, Holy Spirit, have your will and way in my life, God. Maybe you're in the staying season. Maybe you need to get grounded in your word. Maybe you need to get grounded in prayer again. And maybe you need to get grounded in your fellowship again. Listen, do it. Do it. Do it. Maybe you're in your waiting season. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you want to give up. Maybe you want to quit. Can I tell you, out of your waiting season comes a suddenly, and I believe that many of you are on the brink, and the enemy wants nothing more than to discourage you and make you quit because it's not happening in the timing that you thought it should happen. I don't know about you, but I I want to receive today. I want to receive today. How many want to receive of his presence today? Come on, can you lift your hands? We worship you, Jesus. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere, your glory. What our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit, you are well. Come on, sing it out, church. Come on, lift your hands. Lift your hearts. God, I pray for encouragement to those in the waiting season. God, I pray for strength, Lord, those in the staying season. Glory, God, right now we receive the numa. To, to me. be overcome by your presence, Lord. Look at me, real fast, real fast. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to give you an invitation to know Him today. I believe the Holy Spirit's moving in this place. What you feel in your heart is the wooing of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, hmm. some of you need to rededicate your life to the Lord today. If you'll bow your heads just for a moment. I don't want to call you out. I don't want to make you uncomfortable today but I want to give you a chance to know Jesus Christ and a chance to rededicate your life to him today if you don't know Jesus under the sound of my voice scripture tells us all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God you've made mistakes you've messed up we we were born into sin that's just the nature of, of, of how we live but let me tell you Jesus died on a cross for you and for me to be the propitiation for our sin to be the he paid the debt basically for you. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, I want to give you a chance to know Him today. Say, "Hey, Pastor," with no one looking around. Would you lift your hand? Anybody in the building? Anybody in the building today? Thank you, thank you. Maybe you want to rededicate your life today. Thank you. Anybody else? Come on and give Jesus a hand clap of praise for those hands that were raised today. Heaven, heaven is rejoicing right now. we gotta get it, we got to get it in tune with heaven. Heaven's rejoicing right now. So you pray this prayer with me. Say, hey, Jesus, Lord, I love you. Lord, I've made mistakes. Lord, I've failed. And Lord, I ask today. That you would be the Lord of my life. Lord, I believe that you lived. Lord, that you died. That you rose again. And that you're coming again. Lord, I confess with my mouth my sins. All my faults. I ask you, Lord, to forgive me. Lord, to be the Lord of my life. Come on and give Jesus a hand clap of praise.